Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers, we're back on and we're in another exciting chapter today, chapter 31 of Genesis. And let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we thank you so much for your involvement in our lives. Lord, thank you that you have promised that you will never leave us nor forsake us, even to the end of the world. And so here we are, partway through our lives, and we invite you today to come and fill us by your Spirit. In your glorious name. Amen. Good morning, Fran. So, Chapter 31, The Plot Thickens. Good morning, Pat and Mike. So we have uh, Jacob. If you remember, he has amassed a fortune whilst working at Laban's place. He's been double-crossed endlessly by his uncle. He's got four wives He's got masses of livestock now and he's doing great financially. So he's in a very strong position. Good morning, Johnny. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Alison. And great to see you all. And so he's doing well financially. He, well, at least, what should we say, in terms of livestock, he's very wealthy. And he's got a whole bunch of kids and a very noisy household. (laughs) Buenos dias, Flor. Um, So now we're into a kind of moving on chapter. So verse chapter 31, verse 1, it says, Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban, that's his uncle, his father-in-law, were saying, Jacob has stolen all that was our father's from what our father, from what was our father's. He has gained all his wealth. Well, it was true that he'd gained all his wealth from what was their father's, but it was legitimate and his their father had robbed him endlessly but it was a legitimate agreement that they'd reached and god had prospered him good morning fliss and he he had just been incredibly wise and astute and we'll see a little bit of insight into that in a second so their criticism is based on envy it seems they've got the same greedy avaricious kind of spirit that their dad has and oh my, it gets on your nerves in the end because you just think, let's let the guy get on and prosper without trying to peck away at it. Envy is a work of the flesh. I'm just going to say that. If you don't know what that means, it means it's something that should die when we come to Jesus. It is not okay to envy people. And it's a, it's a sin, a sinful thing, and it's destructive in relationships. 
And when we see someone else getting on, we need to bless them and cheer them on and be their, their top cheerleader and promote them and encourage them and pray for them that God keeps them even as they rise to success. <sighs> so here we go. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favour as before. So the favour that he had enjoyed with his uncle has worn thin somewhat. And then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred and I will be with you. Nice. So at this fork in the road, God is saying, yep, this is the time. I'm confirming what you're feeling. I'm saying I'm going to be with you. Go back to your father's um, people and your kindred. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was. Come and meet me in the field, girls. I've got something to talk to you about. And he says to them, verse 5, I see that your father does not regard me with favour as he did before, but, and this is the really, really, really important, but the God of my father has been with me. So even though your dad's faces turn sour towards me, I'm not fussed about that because my God, the God of my fathers, has been with me and so I'm cool. Verse 6, he says, you know that I've served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and not and, and changed my wages ten times. This is interesting, ten times. Ten is the number of kind of completion and perfection, is the number of the Ten Commandments, the government of God, all those kinds of things. We could talk a lot about numbers. I find it's quite fascinating but it's not my main interest. I'm just going to say that. I'm not really a number person, but it's interesting. Ten times is a lot of times to be cheated. And I think Jacob, in fairness, has handled it moderately well. He seems to have not complained and chuntered and certainly not recorded anyway, but he seems to have handled it well and just changed tack and got on with it and adjusted to the different rules that have suddenly switched overnight and managed to find a way and God has blessed him in spite of it all so listen to this listen to how he's treated their dad God did not permit harm to me if he said the spotted shall be your wages then all the flock bore spotted and if he said the striped shall be your wages then the flock bore striped thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me that's amazing, isn't it? The Bible says that the wicked store up wealth for the righteous. So if you're feeling a bit impoverished, there's some wicked person somewhere who's storing up some money for you. So <clears throat> just say, Lord, come on, man. Can this wicked person who's storing up money for me, let me <laughs> hand it over now because I could do with some. I need some of my um, inheritance, please. And I don't think there's anything wrong with talking to God like that. I think he's OK with it, especially when we look at how he treated Jacob but here we go. So Jacob is saying, God took away the livestock from your dad and gave them to me. It's like everything was stacked in my favor when it came to the cattle breeding. Whatever scheme your dad came up to rob me with, God bless me anyway. So I'm really not worried. And here's the thing. Even if your employer is being unjust and treating you unfairly, if your faith is that God is the source of your supply, you really don't have to worry. It is OK to change jobs, providing God has given you clearance in your heart to do that and letting you 
kind of reassuring you that it's the right time because Jacob didn't just cut and run ages ago when he could have done. He could have cut and run a long time before, couldn't he? When he got finally got married to Rachel and he got what he wanted, he could have headed off into done a midnight flit then, but he didn't. He was honourable and faithful and showed himself to be a real servant. And we'll see a bit more of the inside of that in a minute. But at the same time, he, God, circumvented all of Laban's kind of meanness of spirit and blessed and prospered Jacob anyway, which I think is just absolutely super cool. So in the in the breeding of listen to this insight he has in the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats mated that mated with the flock were striped, spotted and mottled. Well, remember, Jacob and um, Laban had taken all of them away from the flock and so that Jacob couldn't have any males bringing that line into the flock because he'd taken them all away. But in his dream, God he, God showed him what was really happening. This is just amazing. And he says, um, where are we? Hold on. So, and and, and the, 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 then verse 11, the angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. Right. Well, they only had plain coloured animals left. That's all Jacob had to work with. And yet when God was showing him what was really happening, he said, actually, these guys who are mating with your your ewes and your um, nanny goats, these guys are actually... If only you could see with spiritual eyes, you would see that actually they're stripy and they're bringing stripiness into the into the flock. So cool. So we actually have a breed of sheep now called Jacob's sheep that are all speckledy. I don't know if you knew that. That's just a little interesting fact. Um, and so the angel of the Lord was showing Jacob what was really going on in the realm of the spirit because God was Jacob's source of supply, not Laban. So important we get this stuff. And remember, God is sufficient. That's the, that was Jehovah Jireh. God is sufficient. God is God will provide that whole idea of God's made, you know, it's prepared. He's taken care of it. And verse 13, he said, then God says to him, I am the God of Bethel where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go up from this land and return to the land of your kindred. And I love that God pegs his relationship with Jacob back to that time of encounter where he saw heaven opened. And he said, just in case you're not sure who's speaking to you, it's me, the God you met at Bethel, excuse me, gosh, the God of your father's. And I'm doing all of this. I'm with you and I'm for you. And he says, where you anointed the pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. Then Rachel and Leah returned, sorry, answered and said to him, is there any portion of inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? Listen to this. For he has sold us. 
and indeed has devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. This is so interesting because the girls finally have come to agreement over something and they agree that their dad is a is a bad man. He's been unfair. He's actually treated them like chattel, chattels and he's sold them. And we, we read the story and they seem to be compliant and maybe even going along with the, the schemes of their dad. But inwardly, they are being grieved and they're being sinned against by their father who God gave them as a protector and a shield. And he's using them for financial gain. He's basically prostituting his daughters under the guise of arranged marriage. This is really bad. It's important that we understand this. And every offence committed against these women hurt them. It didn't just go unnoticed. They, they didn't just have like... Teflon hearts where nothing sticks. They were wounded and they felt it. And then here comes this moment where their husband, who they fought over and scratched each other's eyes out over, is actually standing up to their father-in-law and suddenly, to their dad rather, and suddenly they're right on. They're, come on, jo Jacob. He's our boy. Whoa, whoa, go Jacob. He's our boy. And they're suddenly behind him because he's actually... Um, taking responsibility for them now as a man, as a husband, and not just as a kind of breeding ram or whatever, however they saw him in a kind of caricature in their minds before. Now they're seeing him as their husband. And they're actually saying, do you know what, J Jacob, this is entirely legitimate. Our dad sold us. He squandered our inheritance Everything that has come to you should have come to us anyway because we should have inherited from him. So let's go. Let's cut and run. Let's get away while we've got a chance. And I love that. And so he's, they, they say this, that he's treated us like foreigners. It's like we, we're not even related. Isn't that awful? They feel so disenfranchised, so disconnected from their dad. It's like, it's like, it feels like we're not even related to this man. Wow. So now then, whatever God has said, you do. So Jacob arose and sent his, set his sons and his wives on camels. He was wealthy. He had like camels. It was like a big old BMW for each of his family. And he drove away all his livestock, all his property that he'd gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Paddan Aram to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Laban had gone to shear the sheep and Rachel stole her father's household gods. Goodness sake, let's talk about this in a second. And Jacob tricked Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him that he intended to flee. He fled with all that he had and arose and crossed the Euphrates and set his face towards the hill country of Gilead. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him for seven days and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. Listen to this, verse 24. But God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream by night and said to him, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Right, real quick. They had some household gods. Laban was into divination, that he was consulting. He claimed to be a follower. He used the language 
of God said this, God said that, blah, 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 or God's done this. But he actually used these idols for divination. And I have no idea whatsoever why Rachel took them. It's beyond me. Anyway, she did. Anyway, so Laban now is on hot in pursuit. Jacob's got three days ahead of him and it's taking them seven days for them to catch up. But in the dream, just before they do catch up, God speaks to Laban. And this is an encounter Laban does have with God for real. And he warns him not to say anything good or bad to Jacob. Now, I just want to say this, right? Everything Laban may or may not have said to Jacob would be creating history. Just think about that for a second. It would be recorded in this book, number one. But number two, it would be making history. It would be shaping history, the history of a nation. And so God is saying, do not say anything. I am putting a muzzle on you, Laban. You are you have said far too much in your life. Now is the time to zip it. Do you understand me? And so God is being really firm with Laban. It's also important that we understand that what we say affects history. How we speak of our brothers and sisters in Christ affects history. It changes destinies. It sets people's lives on a course of blessing or a course of disappointment and brokenness and betrayal and pain. We need to really, really, really watch how we speak about God's people. It's really important. I I don't know if I can say this in a serious enough voice for everyone to listen to me. This is so serious. This is so serious that we watch what comes out of our mouth particularly in relation to God's people, because we are creating history. We have the power to change the course of history by what we say. Wowzers, verse, that's a good point, Paul. Well done. I'm cheering myself on this morning. And Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban and his kinsmen pitched tents in the hill country of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, what have you done that you have tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword? Well, they, he, they'd already said to him, we don't feel connected with our dad. We feel like we're foreigners. Now Laban's laying on this guilt trip on Jacob. So here we see the master twister trying to twist again. Oh my, come on, let's twist again like we did last summer. And Laban said to Jacob, Oh, so, yeah, so he said, why did you flee secretly and trick me and not tell me so that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs, with tambourine and lyre? This is mock hospitality. This is just manipulation and control. And verse 28, uh, and why did, you, why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters? Farewell, guilt trip, guilt trip. Oh, now you have done foolishly it is in my power to do you harm. But, and here's the but, the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And now you have gone away because you long greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid, for I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. Anyone with whom... Incidentally, 
is he should have put in there, anyone with whom you find your gods shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what I have that's yours and take it. Now, Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the gods. Okay, stolen them. So he's basically saying, I've done everything by the book, Laban. You cannot accuse me of stealing. This is preposterous. I'm actually upset now. And he gets, he's brewing. Jacob is a slow burn kind of guy and he's brewing some resentment towards this guy. After 20 odd years of servitude, it's all kind of coming up. So verse 33, so Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two female servants, but he did not find them. That's these gods also called terrapin, teraphim, which is different to a terrapin, which is like a turtle. And he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's. Now, Rachel had taken the household gods and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. Laban felt all about the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, let not my father be angry that I cannot rise up for you, for the way of women is a, is upon me. So he searched, so she was basically saying, I'm, I'm having my period. I can't get off the camel. Sorry, dad. You please don't be offended. She's sitting on these blessed idols. Gosh, uncomfortable. Anyway, so he searched but did not find the household gods. Then Jacob became angry. Now, here's Jacob, slow burn, but he's mad now. And he berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, what is my offence? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? For you have felt through all my goods. What have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that we they may decide between us two. These 20 years I've been with you, your ewes, your female goats have not miscarried. I've not eaten the rams of your flocks. What was torn by wild beasts I didn't bring to you. I didn't come with some cock and bull story saying, oh, there was a lion. He's saying I paid for it myself. I bore the loss of it myself from my hand. You required it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. So he was saying, you were a tough boss, Laban. And there I was by the heat, by, by day the heat consumed me and the cold by night and my sleep fled from my eyes. These 20 years I've been in your house. I've served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages ten times. Listen, every time somebody steals from us, God sees it. Love doesn't give a record of wrongs, but God sees it. This is an offence against God. It was an offence against Jacob. He didn't mention it at the time, but he noticed. And every offence against us that someone commits, every time they rob us, we... There's a need for forgiveness each time. There's a there's a, a an imbalance. A crime has happened, and it needs to be dealt with. And he says, I I haven't really got time to go into that, but I think I hope you can get what I'm saying. And he says, you've changed my wages ten times. If the if the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side. Surely now you would have sent me away empty handed. God saw my affliction and the labour of my hands and rebuked you last night. Absolutely. Jacob knew that he was on the moral high ground. He didn't know Rachel had actually compromised him and stolen these horrible things and was hiding them under a saddle. Um, but he did know that God was with him 
and he was in on the moral high ground. He'd been completely honourable in all his dealings with Laban. He had never twisted him. And it's like Jacob was taking his medicine from God like a good boy. He was allowing God to discipline him through his uncle. And then Laban answered and said to Jacob, daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. Not true. But very manipulative. But what I can do this but what can I do this day for these daughters or for their children whom they have born? Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his kinsmen, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap. And they ate there by the heap. They're making a covenant. They're having a covenant meal. We have the Lord's Supper. It's a covenant meal. It's a way of solemnizing this binding agreement between these two parties. And they're basically saying, we're not going to mess with each other from this point on. We're going to let each other live and let each other be. So Laban called, uh, called it Jagar Sadutha, but Jacob called it Galid. Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me today. Therefore, he named it Galid and Mizpah, for he said, the Lord watch between you and me when we're out of one another's sight. If you oppress my daughters or if you take wives besides my daughters. So here's a little bit of moral compass is there. Oh, surprising Laban. So he's saying, basically, if you try and take any other wives, I'll come after you and I'll have your gizzard. So he says, if you oppress my daughters or if you take wives besides my daughters, although no one is with you, see, God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, see this heap and the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness and the pillar is a witness that I will not pass over this heap to you and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me to do harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. That's an interesting word. We could talk a lot about that because there's been some attempts to dismantle the fear of the Lord in Christian thinking. And do you know what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And he, Isaac understood and had a great reverence for God. And so, so much so that they referred to God as the fear of Isaac. Interesting, isn't it? And so Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac, and Jacob offered a sacrifice on the hill country and called his kinsmen to eat bread. They ate bread and spent the night in the hill country. Early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned home. Wow, that is such a turbocharged chapter. There's so much to think about in there. Do go back over it. Do write your own notes. Do reflect on it and meditate on it. Because even though there's a lot in there of broken, messy human relationships, there's this beautiful golden strand of strand, sorry, of God dealing with his people and God establishing this covenant people who will be called Israel and through the man who um, had his name changed to be exactly that. So listen, have an amazing day. God bless you, watch over you, prosper you in all that you do. May God 
bless you whether you turn to the right or to the left. May he bless your children, your children's children. May each one be taught by the Lord and have great peace in Jesus' glorious, wonderful, I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him but more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden, and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops, or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it, because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.